1: fade away this the best Celtics podcast day to day i get excited about it every night about it. a real Seas fan wouldn't want to live their life without it banner 18 in the making we got to make it best squad in the east and still we can't get complacent most winning franchise so the history's ancient you can tell the other guys are going plan a vacation, plan a vacation. Yeah, Corralis, Packard, and J. King Locked on, trying to get the 18th ring The most in-depth coverage that you ever gonna hear Well-respected in a city like Russell's career It's raining and J's Rain Millie's
0: Hey there, welcome back! This is the Locked On Celtics Podcast and we want to thank you for making us part of your daily routine. This is the Monday Show and thanks for bringing us along with you as you start your work week whether you're in the car or doing something else We're happy you brought us along. We're the Reign of Jays. I am John Corrales. I cover the Celtics beat for MassLive.com. joined today by my my friend, my colleague, my fellow beat writer for The Athletic. Your hero. No, I'll just leave it at what I said. Uh, (laughs) The kid, Jay King. We're going to talk about uh, Terry Rozier had some interesting comments about Kyrie Irving. Isaiah Thomas is back with the Denver Nuggets. But first... Let's get some thoughts here on the Atlanta Hawks. The Celtics beat the Hawks 129-120 on Saturday afternoon. Weird start time. I I swore this was going to be a bad start, but the teams combined for 79 points in the first quarter, making me look like an idiot again. But the Celtics had a 25-point lead late in the third quarter, and then they blew it. So, Jay, the question to you is, do you have any concerns that this was uh, another collapse or was this just no Horford because of the knee or Brad Stevens was hoping to hold out Horford because of the knee Hayward, who turns out is now in the concussion protocol was out. So Brad Stevens had to go to a weird lineup, which is it for you?
1: To me, it's just the the weird lineup thing. Um, Brad Stevens, We'll probably never play that lineup again. The lineup was Rozier, Brown, Tatum, Ogillade, Tice, and they let the lead go from 21 to 9. By the time the stars, some of the stars came back in, the momentum was gone. The energy was sapped. Like it was just <laughs> just a bad four minutes for for that lineup. I assume Brad will probably never play that lineup again he knows playing rosier with no other ball handlers is not a great thing um the one thing to me that that's kind of concerning about that little stretch long term speaking is Tyson's has kind of given up really good position to big guys lately and like he's 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 obviously like 6'9 215 like he's far less physically imposing than a lot of centers and he's always struggled with some of the biggest centers, guys like Joel Embiid. But lately it seems like a lot of guys are just getting really good position on him. Harry Giles, when they played the Kings in Sacramento, got some really good position on him in in that stretch the other night it was Alex Len and just guys that Shouldn't have an easy time scoring. Have have had an easy time scoring sometimes lately on Tice. So that that, that to me is the the long term concern because Tice in some matchups like he's a better switcher than Aaron Baines and he's more versatile defensively than Aaron Baines. And in some playoff scenarios, maybe you throw Tice out there. But if he's giving up super post position all the time and giving up. Paint touches right near the rim, then it's, it's not a good thing, <laughs> obviously. Um, so that, that to me is the one long-term concern. I, I, I don't think that lineup will ever play together again. I don't think, I mean, the fact that the Celtics still won the game is obviously a, a plus. Um, but the Tice thing to me is a little iffy right now.
0: Yeah. I mean, he's always been. He's always had troubles here against the, the bigger stronger uh, centers um, I don't know maybe maybe there's something more there than than what we're seeing but for now it's tough when when there's anybody with any sort of size on him it doesn't work out Tice and Ogilvy subbed in for Baines and Morris at 148 in the third quarter 103 to 83 uh, by the time Marcus smart came in, 942 in the fourth quarter, it was 106-97, eventually got to 112-112, and a tie game, But and that's when Smart took over, but yeah, the lineup there, I think, was a, a, a major, major part of that. After the game, Kyrie Irving kind of called those guys out a little bit, said you have to have a little bit more maturity, and that I think that was just more of a... Even though these guys don't play together very often or ever again, but... Uh, it's still you're, you. You got to be better than what they were blowing. Blowing that lead uh, in that short stretch. I mean, that was really uh, that was really tough. And it, it does it, if it, if it shakes any confidence, it's in that. Brad Stevens is not going to have a ton of options if he can't go to Al Horford if he can't go to Gordon Hayward. So that's that lineup obviously very problematic. And and hopefully we never see it again. But. Look, weird things happen, and if you have to play some of these combinations again, you have to have some faith that these guys are—they're supposed to be pretty good, and and Terry Rozier can be pretty good, and and these guys should be pretty good, but in that and together the way they were, not so great. Um, also in that game, uh, Kyrie Irving had a another near triple double and rebounding like a maniac again. Two straight games—the only two games in his career, by the way where he's had 30-plus points and 10-plus rebounds. So he's done that for two straight games. After the game, when asked about the Kyrie Irving rebounding, Al Horford said, that's something that that helps make us elite. And so I ask you, if, do you agree with Al Horford saying that that's what makes the, what can make the Celtics elite? Do
1: I think Kyrie Irving's rebounding yes. will make the Celtics elite? No. No, I absolutely do not think that Kyrie Irving's rebounding will be the difference between a second-round exit and a finals run. However, the Kyrie Irving energy thing, I think, is real. And when he's taking charges and when he's getting deflections and when he's tipping balls and when he's getting near triple-doubles like he has or real triple-doubles like he has the last couple of games, and his impact on the game is extending to so many areas, that matters. So his rebounding, no. <laughs> like that that alone will not change the Celtics' trajectory. But the if, it's, if Al meant it as a symbol of what Kyrie can bring and what Kyrie can do when he's fully locked in, then yes, there there's a huge difference between... Kyrie when he's just kind of going going through the motions and Kyrie when he's locked in on defense and Kyrie when he's taking charges and Kyrie when he's crashing the glass and doing all the things the the winning things on top of all the scoring and playmaking that he does no matter what just because he's really freaking good at that.
0: Well, I think when it comes to the rebounding What Kyrie's, specifically with the rebounding, I think if Kyrie can do what he's been doing the past couple of games, which is essentially follow his own shot and extend possessions, uh, I I do believe that grabbing an offensive rebound in that position, especially if it's a point guard, can be a little demoralizing, a little deflating. You've played whatever it is, 10, 15, 20 seconds worth of defense, however long it is and the whole point of getting playing defense is to get the ball back you get out there and transition go out. now it's your turn to score you, you in the team concept you you play defense to prevent the other team from scoring but selfishly you play defense to get the ball back so you can go score and playing defense and getting a stop a missed shot and then not being able to finish off the stop by getting the rebound can can be like deflating so if Kyrie can do that 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 can really help ex- just Not change the course of games, but be part of the thing that kind of helps the Celtics build leads, come back, uh, demoralize the defense, whatever it is. Uh, I kind of see what Al Horford is saying, but I think it does go to more to your point that it's not necessarily the rebound specifically. There's an energy there, And, and Kyrie, not just rebounding, he was diving for loose balls. I mean, he was really, really playing his ass off the past couple of games, which brings us to what... Terry Rozier said about Kyrie Irving, which we'll talk about after the break. Interesting comments about Kyrie's mood his and how that all impacts the team when we come back on the locked on Celtics podcast. But first I want to tell you about my bookie, the first weekend of the NCAA tournament. It's the greatest betting event of the year. And it's coming up this Thursday. I know Jay thinks it's the greatest day of the year when the NCAA tournament starts, but, it's also great. I mistake. will
1: not make the same mistake as I did last year, though.
0: What was the mistake?
1: I I said some outrageous things, and people got upset.
0: Oh. Well, I would never want you to repeat outrageous
1: I think things. I think I, I berated uh, every holiday and oh. religions. Yeah. yeah. It wasn't good. No. It wasn't good.
0: So don't make that mistake again. I would say... What you should do is place a bet on My Bookie. Whether it's you're filling out a bracket, picking a national champion, predicting a first round upset, or all of the above, My Bookie is the perfect home for your March Madness fun. Will Zion and Duke and his teammates cement their legacy with a title? Will Virginia get past the loss to a 16 seed last year? Can Kentucky get back to glory in the Final Four? If you know the answers, tell me. I need to make some money. If you don't, that's okay. My Bookie is a great place to get in on the action. They have something for everyone, even you if you are a multiple bracket guy. My bookie is has been in business for years. Their goal is to give you the best customer service in the business. The best part is they pay out fast within 48 hours fast when you win. So bet with the best. Then kick back and enjoy March Madness while you watch your picks cash in. Deposit with MyBookie today with the promo code NBA for a 50% sign-up bonus. That's an automatic win right away. With the promo code LOCKEDONNBA at MyBookie, you get a 50% sign-up bonus. With MyBookie, you play, you win, you get paid.
2: NFL teams making bold final moves before the start of the season. From our local experts to your ears, these are the biggest stories on the Locked On Podcast Network. The Tennessee Titans have announced a one-year deal with linebacker Jadavion Clowney, reportedly worth $15 million. Tyler Rowland of Locked On Titans tells you if it's going to be enough to get Tennessee back to the AFC title game. In other moves around the league, the Miami Dolphins named Ryan Fitzpatrick starting quarterback, which means Tua will be back up for the time being. And the Detroit Lions have agreed to a one-year deal with running back Adrian Peterson. Peterson was released by the Washington football team last Friday. For more NFL news and analysis, subscribe to the new Peacock and Williamson NFL show and listen to a brand new lineup on Locked On NFL. They'll have division previews every day this week. Local experts on the biggest stories. It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. You're up-to-date on your favorite team, but what about the competition? Here we go! John Hollinger and Nate Duncan are evaluating every bubble contender on Hollinger and Duncan. Rejecting the screen goes behind the scenes with in-depth interviews, and the Locked On NBA podcast is recapping games daily. Let the Locked On NBA network of podcasts take care of your NBA
0: bubble scouting reports. Hollinger and Duncan, rejecting the screen the Locked On NBA Podcast. Subscribe to the best trio of NBA podcasts on the planet, wherever you get your podcasts. Terry Rozier, interesting comments made to our friend Chris Forsberg of NBC Sports Boston. He got into a uh, an unnamed car, which we will not name because they don't pay us; they pay him. But he got into this very generic car to do a segment where they drive around with a player. That is, this time it was Terry Rozier,
1: and they spoke to Terry. It was not a Toyota Corolla, but we'll pretend it was a Toyota Corolla. Let's
0: pretend it was some yeah something crappy like a Toyota Corolla.
1: I, I, I drive a Toyota Corolla, John. Okay. Yes.
0: I do not. So Terry Rozier said to Chris Forsberg that basically, and I'll summarize, that when Kyrie Irving is in a good mood, the Celtics are in a good mood, and the Celtics play well, and everything kind of feels great. And when Kyrie Irving is in a bad mood, which he was, especially coming out of the uh, All-Star break, then – The Celtics kind of struggle, and they they essentially follow the mood of their leader. And it's very interesting, and it was very candid and forthcoming of Terry Rozier to say that about Kyrie Irving. And uh, I don't necessarily think that Kyrie Irving would disagree. He was, again, out of the All-Star break, very, very moody. Very upset, it seemed. Something was clearly bothering him. He wasn't coming out with the team for layup lines. He was coming out late. He was sitting away from the bench at the end in front of that little thing, that little whatever billboard thing at the end of the bench. He was clearly disconnected, and, and the Celtics looked terrible. Then they went on that play ride. They went out west, and that first practice out west, he kind of opened up and said, yeah, you know, uh, i got to let some of these things go. Uh, it's not good. And then he apologized on Yahoo Sports. Chris Haynes, he, sa- he basically said, I'm sorry for how I handled some of things. So it's like Kyrie Irving's coming around a little bit. So, uh, Jay, interesting comments that the Celtics kind of go as Kyrie Irving's moods go.
1: Yeah, and I, I don't think it's that like clear and clear cut. I do think that Kyrie Irving's mood certainly has an impact on the rest of the team. I think during that stretch, when they were really down, he was not a help. He was chirping at guys on the court when things went wrong. He was clearly, clearly agitated with, it seemed like, everybody. Uh, And I don't know what the source of that agitation was. I don't know whether he was mad at the media at first. I don't know whether he was upset that the Celtics were not playing like he hoped they would I have no idea what the root of that agitation was but it was pretty clear um from the way Kyrie was acting that he was fed up with things at the time and and not not 100% happy and positive and with, with just everything going on. And there was a clear change when he showed up on the West Coast trip for before the Warriors game, the first game of the four-game road trip. Clear change, and I think that matters. You know, when your best player has good energy, I think that can infuse everybody else with positive energy. And when your best player is being is frustrated with things and obviously frustrated with things like Kyrie wasn't hiding his frustration. It was very open, very out there and something that everyone around him could understand and comprehend and, and feel then it's a big deal when he gets happy again and, and kind of gives the team more energy. And I I think we've seen that over the last six games, they've, they've won five of their last six, even the game that they lost. You know they lost by 25. It was the loss to the Clippers, and that was the type of loss that after that, after a loss like that, these guys would be like chirping each other like this. Just it would it would be an overreaction. But for whatever reason, that loss did not inspire any overreaction. The players are like, yeah, you know, we lost. We still had a successful road trip. Let's go home and keep trying to take care of business. And I, I think a lot of it starts with Kyrie. If if he is committed to not even committed but if if he is enjoying the process and if he is giving guys positivity then i think other guys feed off of that because it's obvious like he is their best player and i I don't think he was like he hasn't been aggravated throughout the entire season i think there was just a, a short patch where he was and i do think that when he was aggravated it it kind of graded on other guys and and kind of brought other guys down a little bit when, when he also has the ability to lift those guys up because of, first of all, how good he is. But also, like, when he is that positive force, he can he can really be, I think, the, the type of leader he wants to be.
0: Yeah, I, I mean, I think – I mean, I, I oversimplified it at the beginning, of course, but uh, I think when – you have a guy who is just so like th- th- this goes beyond like a, a, an NBA locker room. If, if you have like any sort of group dynamic, when you have one person who is in a good mood or a bad mood, like that mood, especially if that person's a critical person in the mix, that does tend to permeate. So, whatever Kyrie Irving's moods have been, why they have been. Uh, I can see why uh, Terry Rozier would say that. They, they need him to be his best. And when he's not his best, then that changes the entire feeling around the team. And when he's in a bad mood, other players take on that mood for sure. Uh, and
1: I, I think it went beyond just a mood thing. It went to a basketball thing too. Like I remember the Houston game just before – was it just before the break? Yeah. Yes. Um, a, a couple whatever it was right before a couple games before the break, and Kyrie had a closeout, and it was like the laziest closeout we've seen all season.
0: Yes. And, I was and
1: about. it was it was in the middle of the Celtics kind of unraveling in the first half, and so it wasn't just a an attitude thing. It was like it carried over. It translated to the court where his energy wasn't allowing him like. This season he has taken charges and he's defended and he's rebounded and for a little pocket of games I don't even know how exactly long it lasted but he wasn't doing all those things and when he is doing those things it's a big help. So it's not it's not just like like just his attitude his his leadership his whatever it's like it's his basketball ability too and when he plays defense that raises them to another level and when he rebounds it raises them to another level and when he's taking charges like whoa that right. Kyrie taking charges and what? that can kind of lift guys up
0: it goes back so to what we saying it
1: was more than just just a like leadership thing i think it was an actual basketball thing too and and maybe that is leadership as well but it it was it, it wasn't just like intangible stuff it was tangible on court basketball stuff
0: it goes back to what we we're saying before about the rebounding and the effort and that making the Celtics quote unquote elite when he's doing all that stuff, then, yeah, that's that's the path to the Celtics being elite. And when not, then they're not going to be. Uh, it, I, I say this a bunch, um, and I don't know, outside of professional sports, where a guy who is 26 years old would be asked to do as much as a guy like Kyrie Irving does. The pressure in professional sports is different. It's amplified. It's accelerated. We want people to be mature beyond their years. Uh, I wouldn't ask many 26 year olds to do what people are asking Kyrie Irving to do. And I think people forget that Kyrie Irving is 26. And that a lot of these guys, it's not just Kyrie, but a lot of these guys who are young leaders of basketball teams there are young players. They're young men who are human beings. And at that age will make mistakes. And sometimes they make better decisions than others, but sometimes they don't. And I'm, I'm more willing to kind of give a young guy a pass. Uh, if he learns from those mistakes and gets better from them. So if you make the mistake is one thing. If you see that you're making a mistake, admit it, own it, learn from it, get better. Then I'll give you that pass because that's part of life. That's part of growing up. I'm forty. I'm almost forty six, and I'm still doing that. So it's not. It, it's it's a new you old. I'm. I'm old. <laughs> I'm not I'm not young. That's for damn sure. Um,
1: old but, AF.
0: But you. Sir, often act older than I actually am. so
1: you're you're old AF. I'm I'm young as hell man.
0: yeah, but you act old AF. so
1: yeah, well, you, we could have had an <laughs> example of that if if the first recording of this podcast you know, we're on part had two. survived.
0: <laughs> this, is, this is the second recording of this podcast. Don't even get me started, but uh,
1: but my 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 candle does still smell delicious. <laughs>
0: Yes really I'm glad that you brought that up because I'm, I'm mostly upset that we lost all of your great candle talk but don't name the brand because they're not giving us any money but
1: your Yankee candle oh, vanilla bean a... we... woodwork so it crackles as it burns you... and it just it just smells like or it it sounds like a, a fire in the fireplace and it just just makes me feel at home and cozy. And I'm a big fan of the vanilla bean scent
0: as well. I, I, I can appreciate your candy. <laughs> Uh your your love for the vanilla bean candle. that's also something like a sixty year old dude would be loving. Yeah, uh, no,
1: no I, I I admit it's it's my age showing a little bit. <laughs>
0: I, I am old, but you act old. and I don't know which is. Yeah.
1: Uh, probably, probably being old, but
0: <laughs> no. <laughs>
1: uh,
0: all right, well, we'll just leave it at that. We'll take a break. When we come back, we're going to talk about Isaiah Thomas coming back, and then we're going to hand out some tacos. Isaiah Thomas coming back as a member of the Denver Nuggets. We'll talk about it when we return on the Locked On Celtics podcast. against Boston Celtics Monday night. Uh, It's going to be a great game. And it's also going to mark the return of Isaiah Thomas. And that's going to be an emotional one. Guys, uh, after the Hawks game, talked about welcoming Isaiah back, Al Horford, Marcus Smart. Uh, Isaiah Thomas uh, talked about his return in, in an article that we're not supposed to talk about. Or, or, I told
1: Adam Himmelsbach I would not talk about his good article in the Boston Globe because he talked to Isaiah when the rest of us didn't, and I didn't appreciate that. Yeah. So, so nobody should read Adam Himmelsbach's very good article about Isaiah Thomas in the Boston Globe.
0: Do not go click on that because <laughs> I, was, I saw that, and so, I mean I, – I, the one thing that I've learned quickly on the beat is that it gets competitive. Like I like all of the guys on the beat. Like it's it's actually surprisingly like a, a fun experience with a really good good group of guys. Like it's it's a, it's a lot of fun. Everybody's there. Uh, everybody there is 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 really cool. Uh, not just guys, but you know everybody who is there is, is really cool. But at the same time, when I see something like Adam Himmelsbach getting Isaiah Thomas, when the rest of us did not, I'm just like. Damn it. So uh, good on him, but don't go read it. Do not click on that. Do not reward his effort and good writing by clicking on that. That'd be horrible. But if you did, you might see something. I would assume like Isaiah Thomas saying, it feels like he's been in Boston for 15 seasons rather than the few that he was here. And he was a two time all-star. He was second team, all NBA. Uh, He was fifth in MVP voting Uh, that run that he had in Boston. Was just, I mean, people throw terms like magical around, like, but that really was like that was, I've never, never seen an athlete come in, not KG, not anybody, just capture the the consciousness of a city, capture the hearts of a city, the heart of the city so quickly, so deeply, the way they did it, the way he did it, that was amazing. So that return on Monday night is just gonna be amazing. That place is gonna go nuts when he's introduced somehow.
1: Yeah, and it's it's funny because I think this Celtic season in some ways has enhanced people's memories of the Isaiah tenure. Because this Celtic season has been so rocky and there's been ups and downs, there's been locker room drama, there's been just like a a strange vibe about this team. And I think all of it has made people kind of appreciate the short-lived Isaiah Thomas era and everything that those guys kind of brought to the table. And Isaiah, like all those guys, basically on those teams were either castaways or stepping into a bigger role than they'd played in the past and kind of playing the best, nba basketball of their lives and it was it was a cool team to watch and cover because nobody expected them to become as good as they were as quickly as they were and isaiah i think typified that more than anyone he was a sixth man when he was traded to the celtics and the Suns traded him for basically nothing <laughs> it was like marcus thornton uh like 28th or 29th pick or whatever it was, like a late first-round draft pick. And he became an all-star the next year. Well, the first year he led this out to the playoffs. The The next year he became an all-star. The year after that, he was fifth in MVP voting and averaged 29 points per game and had one of the greatest offensive seasons in Celtics history. And when you think about what he did and the the reliability he had that you knew every fourth quarter he was going to have like between 10 to 12 points and he was going to carry the Celtics offense and they were probably going to win. And he was going to point at his wrist and scream and holler. And the crowd was going to go bonkers. And that was just normal. 30 point games are normal. Everything seemed kind of within his grasp that season. And it was just a special year when he, he was just locked in And was just incredible basically every night. And he was like that, that season was, was a lot of fun to cover because you never knew what special thing Isaiah Thomas was going to do that night, but you kind of figured he was going to do something special. And he was just like clockwork. He just did it every single game and. I mean, honestly, that it was it was really remarkable to watch what he did at his size, and the fact that he had only been a one-time All-Star, he had he was so sh- shortly removed from being a sixth man, and just kind of took Boston by storm, took the NBA by storm, and helped lead the Celtics to the Eastern Conference Finals. Even while he was, we didn't even know it at the time, but he was playing through a busted hip, and played through it to the extent that he's kind of torpedoed his career, and which is really sad um, that he's now out of the rotation and making a lot less money than he could have made and that this injury has really affected him the way it has. But that short tenure in Boston, he was
0: unbelievable. Yeah, he was. And you know, all the talk about the Brinks truck and everything, that was, you know, I, I thought he was in line for that, and he deserved it. And if he was maybe a little bit more selfish, maybe he would have gotten it. Because he he would have maybe not uh, not ruined his hip the way he did, but that's history. It is what it is. Now, Um, it's it's unfortunate that things have gone the way they've gone. But there's he's going to be okay. Like he'll 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 be able to play somewhere. He'll be able to get some money. Um, He'll move on to like he'll be able to do TV. Like he's got a great personality. Uh, He'll he'll still be okay, but it's still it's still sad to think that the way things have gone, uh, that just nowhere near according to plan. Um, And it's funny because he's the guy that recruited Al Horford. Al Horford said that Isaiah is one of the, the one of the reasons why I came here. He's the guy that recruited Gordon Hayward. And when Gordon Hayward signed with Boston, Isaiah Thomas was doing that dance in his in his kitchen. And the plan was for Isaiah and Gordon and Al Horford to be the triumvirate in Boston, and not Kyrie Irving. And circumstances, Kyrie's, you know, asking for the trade and all of that, uh, changed all that and and whatever. But you know, it's just it's sad. I, like, you, I, as you get older and <laughs> you try not to have these emotional connections to players, but isaiah thomas you can't help but get attached to a guy like that the way what he gave what he played through um after his sister's death after everything like just just unreal um i hope he plays in this game and i hope mike malone um, and if i was mike malone i would play him i would find a spot in the first quarter in the middle of the first quarter you sub him in you let him get that standing ovation and you you see if he can come in and ride that wave of emotion to a hot first quarter. And if I'm Brad Stevens and I see this, and he and, and Isaiah Thomas comes in, and gets that big crowd, pop, and and hits a couple of shots, I would call that timeout right away because otherwise that thing's going to cascade out of control. Isaiah Thomas could go off and, and like recapture that magic if they're not careful.
1: Oh, you, you so you're predicting a huge night then.
0: I mean, it's I'm not predicting anything, I, <laughs> uh, but I, would it surprise you? Would you if, if Isaiah Thomas came in at the seven minute mark, and or the five minute mark, let's say, because they call a timeout in the six minute mark. So if he came in at the five minute mark, and the the goal was to get him three minutes to see, can he get hot? Um, wouldn't it be just like would it surprise you at all, Jay, if he came in just? bang two three three pointers like right away like that wouldn't surprise me at all
1: no that'd be pretty isaiah of him Yeah, (laughs) and i do hope mike malone plays him but mike i mean mike malone has a tough decision to make because on the one hand it's isaiah thomas returning to boston and available to play for the first time since he left boston which is a big deal he's been he's been hurt every game since or resting every game since Uh, He's never suited up against Boston since the Celtics traded him. Um, And on the other hand, they're competing for the number one seed in the West. And Isaiah minutes have not gone according to plan so far. And Denver has Monty Morris, who's been one of the better backup point guards in the league. And they want to give him those backup minutes. So I do hope for Isaiah's sake that he's able to play a few minutes and the crowd is able to appreciate him. And he gets that moment back in Boston with the video tribute and the standing ovation and everything else. Um, but I'm not sure entirely what to expect from the night. Because it is a weird situation where this guy who was a superstar two years ago is now on a minimum contract and out of the rotation. And now suddenly playing his former team where he was fantastic and where everyone adores him, and he's suddenly like a total bit piece who has probably hurt his team more than helped it during the minutes he's on the court.
0: Yeah, well, we'll see what happens. We'll, we'll be podcasting right after that, so it could be after a DNP, could be after 20 minutes and 25 points. It's so hard to guess what's going to It happen.
1: could be after Kyrie decapitates Jamal Murray, Yes. On the court.
0: <laughs> it could be, it could be he did say he remembers that and that's going to be a subplot to all of this because Jamal was going for his 50 and uh that was not appreciated. So everybody knows about that and that's going to make things a lot of interesting, uh pretty interesting as well. Before we go, it's taco time. Speaking of Kyrie, let's hand out our weekly tacos. It's our weekly awards and uh Kyrie gets a taco. No.
1: Kyrie is an absolute taco maestro (laughs) this week. (laughs) He is feed that man. (laughs) Feed Feed him that
0: man. um, Tacos, a triple double beef and
1: tortillas and sour cream and cheese. Just feed him.
0: And the guac for free. No extra charge for the guac. Oh, no,
1: no doubt. As much guac as he wants.
0: And same with, uh, Jalen Brown. Jalen Brown has been playing some ball lately and it's good to see that he's been balling out because, um, He's he's just really the past few months he's really really been doing well. Um, I'm I'm not a, a team start Jalen, but uh, I I like what the where he's been going eight of 14, 23 points against the Hawks another great game. I mean this dude's been been killing it and he's been hot from three too three of five against the Hawks just uh, uh, just awesome for Jalen Brown.
1: Yeah and I think more than starting, the important thing now is that he's closing. And he's earned himself back into the closing lineup. And sometimes Brad Stevens has sat Jason Tatum. Sometimes he sat Marcus Smart. Sometimes it'll be Marcus Morris. But lately, Jalen Brown has, has closed a lot of games. And I think that's a testament to kind of how far he's come from his dip in the first two months. The first two months of the season for him were just no good. And ever since then, he's been on the rise and he's been playing better than ever lately. And Brad Stevenson rewarded him with closing minutes that he really had to earn. (laughs) Like Jalen really, really had to have three good months of play to to fight his way back into that closing lineup. And now he's there. So shouts to him.
0: Definitely. Definitely. I'm also getting a taco to Marcus Morris. Mook back in the taco truck mostly because he's been rebounding like a fiend. 19 points, 11 rebounds against the Atlanta Hawks, and then 21 points, 13 rebounds against the Sacramento Kings. And, hey, he's been shooting pretty well from three as well. Three of seven against Sacramento, uh, two of six against the Atlanta Hawks. That is five of 13. Hmm, quick math, I think that's over 38%, Jay.
1: It's about thirty-eight point five percent, according to calculations I did during the first recording of this podcast. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> but Mook also took this probably the single worst shot of the Celtics season, with nineteen seconds on the shot clock and less than a minute left in the game. The Celtics were ahead. I think it was by five or six. Six. <laughs> he ended up getting yanked. And I, I want to share this story because, one, I didn't have the chance to write about it because my story was about Marcus Smart, and it didn't really fit into the story I was writing. And two, because I think it's pretty telling. Um, so I asked Marcus Morris two questions, and they were both about Marcus Smart. I knew I was writing about Smart, so I wanted to ask Marcus Morris about Smart. And uh, he he glowed about Smart, but he also, during the second answer, just kind of went off into, man, I made some boneheaded plays. (laughs) And one of those was the shot we just talked about. The other was the inbound play where he just passed it straight to Kevin Herter. And so I asked him, did you hear from the coaching staff after the shot? (laughs) He said, nah, but I heard from the fans. (laughs) And when the fans yelled at me, he said, "I I looked at the clock I said, oh, shit, there's 40 seconds left. <laughs> and uh, so I, I just thought I'd share that story because it was kind of a, a quick glimpse into Mook trying to be accountable. And literally, I, I wasn't even planning to ask him questions about the shot he took because it didn't end up mattering. The Celtics ended up winning and whatever. Like, I figured he probably knew he shouldn't have shot it. Um, but he, <laughs> he wanted to... Let the world know that he knew that he had fucked up, <laughs> and, and so it was pretty funny. So I, I thought I'd share that story in the podcast so that everyone would know that Mook kind of steered that conversation in that direction. <laughs> and I didn't, I didn't even funny. have to ask him about it. He just wanted to talk about his boneheaded place.
0: That's good stuff. Uh, one more taco, I think, for me, Marcus Smart, who um, by virtue of the five steel. Game, uh, the steals that he had in the uh, down the stretch, also 16 points, nine assists, uh, the just, just really, uh, I think, doing it all in that game. Not not so much necessarily in the Sacramento game, but I'm I'm generous. I'm feeling generous. Marcus Smart gets a taco from me.
1: Yeah, we can give him a taco. The the Hawks game was was very worthy the, f- the funniest moment to me um from that game or was when he was in the post and, Trae Young was on him and <laughs> he threw like a crazy over the shoulder pass that to uh, cutting jason tatum that wasn't even close to tatum and just got picked <laughs> off the hawks went the other way <laughs> but then he came back and hit a transition three and I think the Hawks called a timeout. And Smart would just kind of started laughing like, yeah, I messed that one up. <laughs> and he had already made a, a couple of plays to redeem himself by then. But it was just kind of like, yeah, what was I thinking there?
0: <laughs> Before we go, so, can we just talk about – we didn't talk about this on the first attempt of the podcast, but we'll do it now. Ooh,
1: got, new wrinkle.
0: New wrinkle. The Terry Rozier alley-oop. that might have been the worst of all of the bad Terry Rozier alley-oops that might have been the worst that thing was like almost at the top of the backboard it shot off the top of the backboard I mean you could have been Robert Williams on a pogo stick and still not gotten that ball like just a just a funny moment and the best part the best part was Robert Williams getting up off the bench to celebrate, seeing the ball carom off the top of the backboard, and still raising the roof anyway? Like that was, I think, an all-around hilarious moment from that game.
1: So do you think Robert Williams was just sitting there like, it'll be hilarious if I raise the roof at this dumbass alley oop, or do think you it think, it <laughs> or do you think he just had no clue what was going on It was just like, no. yeah, that that was a sick alley oop, bro. Let's
0: let's raise the roof. I think I think he's a really funny guy, and I think he was getting up, and he was like, "You know what? I'm up anyway. I'm just gonna raise the roof, whatever." I think I think he's just funny, and that that was I think that was him kind of cracking a joke at the whole thing.
1: That was- yeah, I agree. That that was hysterical. That was. A I mean, that was a, probably the funniest "Raise the Roof," and I'm a big "Raise the Roof" guy. Are you really? I think "Raise the Roof" is. An underrated celebration. I'm a I'm a big raise the roof guy. Um, and when you want to do it ironically, like Robert Williams did, I, I'm even more all in. Oh give Give God. me that. Like I I laughed for hours after that. that no lie, really like funny. that was yeah, really funny. That was incredible.
0: All right, incredible is us doing this podcast for the second time. This time, I swear, I've got the recording. I don't know what happened the if, last time.
1: If you didn't record this, I will drive to your place and I will slap you.
0: <laughs> you can try, <laughs> but I did record it. Um, you you fucked things up by going for the pizza, and you that that's your fault. I'm blaming this on you. It's not my fault.
1: Whoa, whoa, whoa. <laughs> so people don't even know that I left the podcast yeah. to go... The Grab first
0: edition of this podcast had Jay in the middle of the show, like five minutes in, being like, oh, wait, my pizza's here. Two pizzas. You, had, you ordered two pizzas.
1: Yeah, it was, a, it was a special. It was the same price as one and get two. So what was I going to do? Just order one? Two
0: for the price Kinda of one. Kind of
1: lunatic would do that.
0: No, I would I would do the same thing. Yeah. So. But that's what happened. And whatever. We're here. We did a second podcast. And I swore we are going to stick to time. We still went 44 minutes. Oh, well. That's what we do on the Locked Celtics Podcast. All you new listeners, shouts to you. Hope you've enjoyed the show. All you regular listeners, shouts to you again. Hey, by the way, everybody who came up and said hi in the past, uh, either we were on the road, some people on the road said hi, some people over the past couple of games have come and said hi. If you see us, me, Jay, Sam, come say hi, man. I love meeting everybody. We love meeting everybody. Come shout us out. Come say hi. Give us whatever. So, Although, I will say one thing before we go. People keep asking to buy us beers after games. And after a game is the worst possible time because we're downstairs, like we run down. It's the locker room. We gotta we gotta get all the interviews, we gotta transcribe all the interviews, we gotta write our stories, we gotta record our podcast. There's no way we can do anything after a game. So but thank you, thank you everybody for, for the thought. It's awesome. But if you're out there and you see us, definitely come say hi. We'd love to meet everybody. All of you regular subscribers, go ahead and give us a five-star rating, a good review. Share the podcast. Tell everybody. Listen to the Lockdown Celtics podcast here on the Lockdown Podcast Network. Yeah,
1: Corrales, Packard, and J. Lockdown
2: Celtics.